Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Ice the Kicker podcast. My name is Glenn DeNegris, alongside, as always, Matt Ferrara. Week eight is done in the NFL. A lot of teams, that was their eighth game, which means half of their season is over. So now as we enter into November and December, this is when the playoff push begins. Some teams, like the Dolphins, are pushing for the playoffs, and some teams, like my Giants, are not. And we're going to start with my Giants. <laughs> lost another tough one on Monday Night Football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 25-23. to This was a game where the Giants looked good in the first half, getting out to a 14-3 to lead. And then in the second half, as you can see over Matt's shoulder, Daniel Jones throws, you know, his typical just really bad interceptions that just can't happen. And we'll get into Daniel Jones specifically in a second. But overall thoughts – on this Giants game, and I guess I'll start out as the resident Giants fan on this podcast, this team defensively yesterday was really good. And I think they've been playing well defensively mm-hmm. the entire season. Um, but as we've alluded to on previous episodes, they're just they just not ready to win games yet. Um, they had that 14-3 to lead. They were pressuring Brady. They were playing good defense. Uh, Bradbury... Uh, played fantastic, broke up a couple of deep passes. But at the end of the day, Tom Brady's going to do what Tom Brady does. He gets the touchdown to Gronk. He drives the team down the field. Um, he gets, gets another touchdown to get the go-ahead score. But overall, the Do- Giants' defense played really good. On the other side, the offensive line, which has been a bugaboo for the Giants for the last decade, played relatively well. That's a young, young offensive line, and they really stepped up in this game against the Buccaneers, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how well the defense plays or the line plays because when your quarterback has a bad game and makes bad mistakes and throws interceptions and overthrows open receivers or doesn't even see open receivers, that's going to cost you the game, and that's exactly what happened in this game when Daniel Jones probably had one of his worst games of the season. He did drive down at the end and had that touchdown pass to Golden Tate to bring it within two, But then, you know, it it was a poor throw and bad timing on the two-point conversion to tie the game. So it's like one step forward, two steps back. He has a good drive. Next drive, he throws an interception. He's driving down the field, interception. So at some point, Daniel Jones needs to stop making these turnovers. There was a graphic on ESPN yesterday comparing Jones' turnovers to those of Ryan Leaf. Now, if you know anything about Ryan Leaf, you know, he was, you know, picked behind Peyton Manning in the 98 draft and his career completely flamed out. Now I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is Ryan leaf, but at some point, this is game 20. Now we're getting close to the end of his second year and you haven't seen much improvement over year one to year two. In fact, you've seen him take step back steps back. So at some point you got to be like, is this the guy to lead the giants into the next era of football? Yeah. The, the game as a whole, and again, I've been really big on the Giants' defense. I think they're really, really good. Uh, they're getting the pass rush, which they really they haven't really had uh, too often. They're stopping the run for the most part. I mean, they held they held the Buccaneers to only 81 rushing yards, and then Tom Brady 263 passing yards. Like, I think you'll take that any day of the week. Um, Bradbury's been, I think, huge for them. So that's awesome to see that one of their big marquee signings is kind of panning out a little bit. I thought uh, the offensive line, same thing. Like they played well. You had Lemieux, like the third or fourth rounder from out of Oregon, got I think his first start. That was pretty big for them. Blake Martinez continues to be a menace anytime the ball is uh, complete. He's always right there for the tackle. So it's it's cool to see those things. But we'll dive into kind of uh, the Giants' uh, defense a little more after. But offensively, yeah, Daniel Jones just like he throws one dime. And then it's just like another shit pass. Like, I, I, again, I don't know how Giants fans are going to survive, which is this wishy-washy kind of type of play. Because it, it, he's just doing things that just make no sense. And it's just like, like just, hey, throw the ball out of bounds or stuff like that. The whole game, uh, from an offensive standpoint, really showed that uh, the Buccaneers were so close to so many interceptions. And I texted one of my friends. I'm like, there's going to be a pick six in this game. I was like, you just see so many completions that the Giants had where – just barely uh, not intercepted. And they were really eyeing on uh, every route and they were kind of uh, uh, sitting on it a little bit. So it, it was pretty close. Like, the game could have been a lot worse, but obviously then Daniel Jones 
drives down at the end and it kind of gives Giants fans some hope for his future. And then he screws up the last play. It, whether it was a, a pass interference or not, that, I, I still think it, uh, it wasn't. But you got to throw that ball out earlier. It just 100% has to be thrown it earlier. So, again, another sour taste in people's mouth. And you could almost put this game on Daniel Jones solely, I would think. Yeah, and the thing about that two-point conversion, the color commentator said this as the play was happening, and he was absolutely right. Not only was it out late, but it was also on the inside instead of the mm-hmm. outside towards the pylon, and it gave the defender a chance to break up the play. I also agree that it wasn't a pass interference. I think the ball and the defender came at the exact same time. And in a situation like that with the game on the line, I think that's a good no-call by the referee not to put the game in his own hands and let the players figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but Daniel Jones, man, like – these turnovers are just killer and not even just the turnovers. Like he's very inaccurate at times as well. Like even mm-hmm. when he's not turning the ball over, he's missing Darius Slayton and uh, Sterling Shepard down the sideline for big touchdown passes because they're four or five yards beyond the receiver down the field and Jones overthrows them. Um, it's, it's good that the giants or it's good that Daniel Jones can make plays with his legs. There was a couple fourth down uh, situations um, in the final drive that he converted because he was able to scramble and avoid pressure. But at some point, you have to stop turning the ball over as much as he does. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, there's nothing, nothing more to it than he needs to not turn the ball over. And what I've been thinking about and what I've been listening to on like the fan this morning was he has eight games to figure it out because – you know, if the Giants get one of those first two picks, there's two really good quarterbacks waiting to get drafted. So Daniel Jones has eight games to improve on the turnover. I'm not saying turn into Aaron Rodgers in eight games. Mm-hmm. Just show a little bit more, you know, potential in keeping control and keeping the ball from ending up in the other team's hands. I mean, it's ridiculous at this point that at the that you almost sort of expect the Daniel Jones interception to have like when the giants are driving yeah. down the field and looking good, you're like, okay, when's it going to happen? Is it going to happen on this play or the next play? So Daniel Jones, like, I know like the consensus is give a quarterback three years, but mm-hmm. when you have a couple of really great quarterbacks coming out in the draft, it, it's not three years. It's the, this is the eight more games because by the time this season's over, he's going to start 28 career NFL games. Mm-hmm. That's enough to gauge in my opinion, who he is as a quarterback. Is he a guy that has potential, but just can't keep control of the ball. And that's going to keep him from being a starting quarterback in this league. Or is he going to figure it out and be a serviceable guy that, you know, like Eli Manning can go on a couple runs in January and win, and win a couple of Super Bowls. So Daniel Jones needs to like step up now because he mm-hmm. can't wait for next year. Cause next year might not come. Yeah. It just, uh, you just again, you just, you watch his play, and it's just like he obviously has the ability to be great. I think any quarterback who is a starter in the NFL obviously has some sort of ability, or else they wouldn't be starting. So I, I always hear that it's just like, oh, he's got all the potential in the world, and he's got all the tools. He can make every throw. I mean, Ben DiNucci can make every throw. He just has the little things that don't make him that good. It's kind of one of those things where it, it, you're. I feel like as Giants fans. And I don't really know where everybody stands. I mean, I'll probably put up a poll on Instagram, but Daniel Jones, it's just like, he has he shown you enough to say right now he's who you want in, in 2021. And even he's who you want kind of leading the franchise for the next two, three, four years. And it's really like, I, I just, I don't know. And I think, like you said, these next eight games, not even if, if, if he kind of keeps doing what he's doing, or even if he does a little bit better and he just, he's an average quarterback. I still think that Giants fans and even the organization might still opt to go to a quarterback if you see Justin Fields win a Heisman. I know, obviously, the consensus is, all right, if Trevor Lawrence is there, you take him. I get that. But I really feel like Justin Fields is going to kind of persuade certain fans and uh, certain fan bases that, hey, even if we think we have our guy, we still might take a flyer on uh, Justin Fields if he's there. I really think he's going to finish with the – Heisman campaign. Yeah. So Daniel Jones went 25 or 41, 256 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions. Um, a lot of those yards came because, you know, towards the end of the game, they needed those yards to come back. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like a true 256 yards of passing. 
My problem with Daniel Jones is that he doesn't seem to learn. Like these interceptions seem to all be the same exact thing. Like Mm -hmm. quarterbacks are going to throw interceptions in this league. That's the way football works in 2020. Every quarterback is going to throw interceptions. The difference is, but the, the difference is how are those interceptions? Are they just like good plays by the defense? Are they tipped? All these interceptions seem to be on the exact same sort of play when the pocket collapses and Daniel Jones tries to play hero ball and doesn't mm-hmm. just throw the ball away. He tries to force it and then it gets picked. Like it's not like a good read by the defensive player. He's throwing them right to it. So yeah. Daniel Jones needs to just throw the ball away. Uh, mm. at, at some like it's the same mistake over and over again and I, I i'm tired of the oh it's only his however many game in the nfl yeah. it's only his second season at the at some point you have to learn from those mistakes and not do it again and that's the that's kind of the basis i put on a young quarterback not only not just the wins and losses and you're going to go through this eventually with tua it's not the yeah. wins and losses right away it's is he making the same exact mistake over and over and over and over again and that's what daniel mm-hmm. jones is doing yeah and, and i i texted another of my friends about his interceptions and it's one thing to have you say you throw up a 50 50 ball and it's single coverage and it, and usually those result in either your guy pulling it down the other guy uh deflecting it or the very slim possibility is that the other guy it really intercepts it because you really have to body that uh wide receiver and locate the ball so that's a harder play so an interception like that like you saw justin herbert have one in the end zone uh, it was it was a 50-50 ball. It's one-on-one. It, you kind of just say, hey, whatever. You took a shot. Like, I think you're really going to – anytime you see a one-on-one opportunity, you're going to take that chance. And if it's picked, it, it is what it is. I mean, Fitzpatrick has made a career off that. Jameis Winston has, has made a career off that. I know it might not be the best kind of example because two guys right now who are uh, not starters, but they're still serviceable quarterbacks. And I think Daniel Jones, it, like, it, it's such a weird thing because, like, his interceptions just seem to count for so much more whether they be drive killing, whether they be in the red zone, like we've seen earlier in the season, or just kind of stupid, really stupid plays where you're trying to extend, like he's falling down, like just go to the ground. I mean, like we've watched Tom Brady do that. Take the, He would just hit the, hit the deck when the pocket would collapse or just throw it at his uh, wide receiver's feet and we'd be like, oh my God, that stinks, that sucks. And that, that's why I think it's so weird, or not, not necessarily weird, but just like every analyst and me- guy in the media wants these – young stud quarterbacks who can extend plays and stuff like that. But this is the byproduct of, of extending plays that you try to be a hero. So again, I, I'd rather a guy just sit in the pocket or right, it's not there than just throw it away. Obviously fourth down or something like that late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. You're going to need to try to be a hero, but that's fine. But he's doing it in like the first second quarter when you have a lot of game left or even a lead. And it's cost the giants games. Right? It cost mm. them this game. They get the Buccaneers had 10 points off of turnovers his turnovers killed them you know in the pittsburgh game in week one it killed them in the cowboys game it killed them in you know all these games where they not they're not getting blown out other than the san francisco game the giants aren't getting blown out they're in all of these games i think I, i think there's like five of their losses came down to daniel jones at the end of the game driving down to either try to tie or win like if they three of those games all of a sudden you're in first place of the nfc east and I tweeted this at you yesterday. We went, we interacted on Twitter during the game. Like mm. if the Giants had someone like Orion Fitzpatrick, they're in first place in the NFC East. Like there's no doubt yeah. in my mind, especially with how bad Carson Wentz has been, and you know some James Addison kid at quarterback for the Cowboys, and who knows mm. in Washington what's going on there. Like if the yeah. Giants had uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, they'd be in first. If the Giants even had Daniel Jones from last year they'd be in first place. That's the problem with Daniel Jones is that it's it's been mostly a step back this year than we saw in his rookie year. And that's even more frustrating when you see guys like Burrow or Herbert or all these other first-year guys this year that are playing better than Daniel Jones is. So if you come to me like, oh, it's only his second year, give him some time, he needs to learn, blah, 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 blah. Well, I can just point out all these other first-year and second-year quarterbacks that are just outplaying him. Like mm-hmm. a, a Mayfield or a Mayfield the third year, but like, or a Herbert or, you know, Tyler, all these guys, so, yeah. Tyler, like all these guys are playing better than Daniel Jones is. So that's why I say, you know, at the end of these eight games, we got to really analyze where we are with Daniel Jones and make a organizational decision 
like how the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen and say, yeah. hey, we might like Josh Rosen, but we like these other guys. We think the other guy's ceiling is so much better. And that's what you have with Lawrence and Justin Fields. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask you one more question on the offense that I wanted to kind of get to the defense a little bit with the Giants. But offensively, do you think, I guess, they're, or do you think Daniel Jones's success or failures are stemming from not having Saquon in there? I don't think so because Saquon was out for a good chunk of the season last year too. And Daniel Jones did fine. And mm. you know, the first two games where Saquon was in, he, he didn't run the ball particularly well. Mm. They had a pretty good running game last night. Yeah, over a hundred yards. Had over a hundred yards. Um, we've seen a lot of good things from a Gallman and a, um, and a Devonte Freeman who they brought in. We've seen some good things from their running game. I mean, it's not Saquon mm. Barkley in his rookie year or of anything. Course. But, you know, I don't think not having Saquon has hurt because I think a lot of these plays that Daniel Jones is making that are causing turnovers, are that that's his fault. I don't think it's because defenses are saying, hey, Daniel Jones, I dare you to beat me through the air. Mm-hmm. I think that he's just – he's, you know, taking sacks and not holding onto the football when he takes a hit or he's throwing it in ill-advised situations into tight windows. And I think that's why he's throwing these interceptions. I don't think it's because of Barkley. Mm-hmm. Because if Barkley yeah. was on the team, he'd still be throwing interceptions. I was. I, I think the same thing. And it just kind of goes back to our past conversations of, like, what do you do with Saquon? Like, with, with where this team's at, like, can you afford to, to dump that much money into him? And again, I've been I, maybe I've been wrong a little bit because you see the su- success that Kamara has – with the Saints, and then that obviously Dalvin Cook's having with the Vikings. But then again, the the at least with the Vikings, you're you're a one a one two win team right now. So it's like it, it, it's 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 nice to pay these guys, and it's nice that they're doing well. But it's like it, if if they're not going to win the games, it, it, it's like how, how, why are you going to pay them kind of that chunk of your of your salary cap? I guess you could say. Well, like the last four years in the first round, the Giants have taken offense. We, we talked about this last week, I think. Mm-hmm. You go Ingram, Barkley, Jones, and Thomas. Mm-hmm. What has that gotten us? Ingram can't catch the ball. He had, he had a pretty decent game, I believe. Yeah. Five for 61. I mean, didn't drop it. He's got, a, he's got an hour and a half until he might not be even on the Giants. Yeah. I mean, he blew, I, he, I mean let's, let's call it as it is. He blew the Eagle game all by himself. 100%. 100%. He, he's had trouble catching the ball. He's had trouble with penalties. I, he's, he hasn't been – Worth the first round pick, in my opinion. Yeah, he doesn't team. block. But that well was on. Either. That wasn't Gettleman. That was Reese. That was the last yeah. one for Reese. Um, Which, that happens. Barkley, I panned it from the beginning. I'm not going to take credit for it. I just wanted to say that I panned it from the beginning. We talked about it on and off. You don't take a second. You don't take a running back second overall. You can get a running back that can give you three quarters of the production Barkley can get for you know half the money and still mm-hmm. get the first round pick somewhere else. So and he's also always hurt now. This is this back-to-back years where he's missed a lot of season. And then Jones, we have no idea if he's the guy anymore because he can't, you know, he can't keep the ball on the Giants. He throws it to the other team all the time. And then Mm. Thomas has been ranked one of the worst rookie offensive linemen in the game. So the last four offensive first-round picks they've had in the last four years have been terrible. Yeah. So that's the problem with the offense. And that's a shame because the defense is playing so well. And if half of those offensive picks over the last four years were fine, then the Giants would have a much better offense. They'd win more games and they'd be in this division, but they're not. And it's 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 really interesting when you kind of uh, think about the Giants and it's just like just it just it, it stems back to the, the Odell trade. And like I know you got Jabril Peppers and like he I think Jabril's doing awesome. Like he's a captain, like I think he's doing really good at, at safety, but it's just like. I, I just it to me it doesn't make it much sense because you talk to some Giants fans like oh like, I want to get Jamar Chase in, in the first round it's like you just had that in Odell but you wanted to get rid of him mm-hmm. so it was like that that to me kind of didn't make much sense but I wanted to flip to the defensive side of the ball real quick and say that first of all the defense is doing awesome like we said however you have Logan Ryan who's on a one year basically seems like a rental deal and then you have Leonard Williams who's been doing well. But again, another one year, and he's like seventeen million dollar deal. So it's like, um, we I feel like we can assume that they're gonna lose one, if not both, of those guys. So they're gonna have some big shoes to fill next year as well, especially on that defensive front. So 
to me, I could kind of see them going in a route in the first round, maybe getting uh, a Gregory Rousseau out of Miami, kind of an edge guy, just because you're going to have a glaring need in the middle of that defensive line or on the back end at safety slash cornerback with Logan Ryan. Well, I think the saving grace for the Giants with Logan Ryan, if he walks, is that Xavier McKinney's been out the entire year. He was their their second-round draft pick out of Alabama, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Kind of like the same kind of situation they had a couple years ago. Their first, second, their second-round pick a few years ago was Landon Collins, and he was Mm -hmm. pretty good for a few years. So, no, he's really good. Logan Ryan walks, then you just slide in McKinney. So and that would be fine. That that would be fine. Hopefully, I mean, I've never seen yeah. him play a football game. Like I don't, I don't, I don't watch every single Alabama snap. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to tell you based on YouTube videos if McKinney's going to be good in the NFL. That wouldn't be fair. Mm-hmm. But the Giants, even if they keep Williams, they still need a rush guy. So I think in free agency, when that opens up in March after the season, I think that's going to be their top priority if they don't address it in the draft. Um, so I think in the off season. I think if they don't take a quarterback in the draft, I think they'll go O line in the first round, and I mm-hmm. think they'll. I'm not. I'm not familiar with their cap space going into the off season right at, at the moment, but I think, you know, pass rusher would be their top priority because historically, when the Giants are good and when the Giants win Super Bowls, they have that like premier, like intimidating, like guy, like the Lawrence yeah. Taylor, or Michael Strahan, or Justin Tuck, and Osi Yor, a JPP, like all those guys. I think the Giants need that kind of alpha male on the defensive line. I think that's where they'll go through free agency. And then mm-hmm. you'll just plug in McKinney for Ryan. I think that's, I, I think that, that's a great point about McKinney. And I, obviously, I've, I've watched a good amount of Alabama games. And McKinney was a very uh, highly sought-after uh, prospect. Obviously, he didn't uh, fall into the first round. But still, he was kind of rated one of the better safeties uh, in the draft. So I think McKinney's going to be awesome for them. Uh, that, that that's a really good point. So yeah, you really can kind of afford to lose Logan Ryan in that in that sense. But I do think yeah, they're going to really need some help on that D line. And it's awesome that you brought up how they need to do it in the draft and free agency, not just kind of one or the other. Because like we've talked about, investing versus addressing. Why not just get a bunch of guys again? Do whatever you can, especially when you have cheap labor in the draft. Get a couple guys, not just get one first round, and then say, like, all right, we're good. But now I wanted to talk about basically the fact that the Giants, again, are still in the hunt. You have – Don't do this they to play, me. I'm doing it to you. They have, the, they have Washington, then they play the Eagles, and then they play the Bengals. And those are three winnable games. If they won two, – Two of their division games. If they won one of the games against the Cowboys, the Eagles, or the Buccaneers yesterday, they'd be right in it, right? I, I still think they're right in it. It, it. it is so disgusting how that NFC East is – you have a one in seven team. So I, know the, I know the Eagles have a bye this week. So, so, so I mean, you're, you're going to so jump if they up. Beat, if they beat the football team, they'd be two yeah. and seven, right? Yeah, and Washington would be two and, it would be two and six. And then the Cowboys, I don't know who they play this week. They'll probably lose it, though. Yeah, uh, the, the Andy Dalton's still not playing, so yeah, that, that's a guaranteed loss. I don't care who they're playing. So that would be 2-7 to 3-4-1. and one. So what's that? That's a game and a half out? Two games out? Yeah, yeah. And then, the and then, and then, assuming then you're going to play the first-place Eagles the next week to basically redeem yourself. Yeah. And then you get the it, Bengals. So if everything breaks right, they could like be, I don't know. I'm not going to do the math in my head right now, but like by the end of week 12, they can be a half game out maybe. Yeah. It just, they're, they're going to get slammed. But then, you, but then you play this, then you play the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Browns, the Ravens, the Cowboys. That yeah, week, I mean, I, I, the week the, 13 to week 16 is where it'll fall off the rails. If they, you know, yeah, it, it's good. It's going to be, oh, yeah, I could get, they're not going, I, yeah, they're not going you're going to need to steal. No, no, yeah, Seattle. That's a loss. But the the Browns, Cardinals, you got to steal one of those. I don't. You're, you're going to assume a loss to the Ravens, obviously. But the Browns and Cardinals, you got to steal one. And then you might do the Cowboys. That's what I mean. You like. I think we talked about this last ep- last episode or two weeks ago that that week 17 against the Cowboys might be for them to to get into the playoffs. And how insane would that be? But here's, but we've been saying this for the last three episodes. Like, oh, if this happens for the Giants and this happens for the Giants and this happens, yeah. but it never does. The opposite happens where they're out. Like, if they would have beat the Cowboys, 
in a game they probably should have won. They scored 34 points, and then Dak was missing the entire second half. They still lost. Mm-hmm. And then if they, if you know, if Evan Ingram catches a pass against Philadelphia, and you know Daniel Jones holds on to the ball against the Buccaneers, all of a sudden this team, instead of one and seven, is four and three. And and again, that just goes to show that like this team is so young. And they're just not ready to win. Like if these losses happened this time next year, that would be completely unacceptable. I feel like every yeah, and- I feel like everyone, you know, everyone's frustrated with the Giants. Everyone, every Giants fan is frustrated the way this team's played, but kind mm-hmm. of like on the other side, still understand that this is a brand new head coach and yeah, uh, yeah, very agreed. young teams, and we weren't expecting them to win. Like next year, we should expect a little bit better than what we've seen because it'd be the second yeah. year of Joe Judge, and. Mm-hmm. They, sh- they should be able to win games next year. So if these right. losses happen next year, then there's a huge problem. But I feel yeah. like this year it's like whatever. Like it still sucks and it's still annoying. And I'm still going to yeah. complain about it. But, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it, no, I, that, that's I think a it's good all point. about next year. I think, you know, when e- the Eli was on the Giants, when he first started, he had those like two years, like, you know, five and oh six, where he struggled a lot. They made the playoffs mm-hmm. actually both of those years. They lost to the Panthers and the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And people were like, oh, is Eli the guy? And then that third year, they won the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. So I think that's kind of where the Giants are. I mean, obviously, they're not having those successes in those first two years like Eli did because he made the playoffs mm-hmm. in those two years. But he also ha- Eli also had a much better roster. But mm-hmm. I think that's where we're looking at right now with the yeah. Giants. They're like that one yeah. or two years away. But it all can change if, you know, Daniel Jones never figures it out. Well, that's exactly. What, yeah. That's what this is going to ride on because everyone likes Joe Judge. Every, Joe Judge seems like a guy that you know they like to play for. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't done anything to lose his job by any means. Yeah, I mean, what's going to dictate the Giants' success next year and then over the course of the next decade is this offseason. Is the decision they make on A, Daniel Jones, and the decision they make on B, Dave Gettleman? Because yeah. we talked about the draft. Do they, you know, take a quarterback? Do they take a defensive lineman? Do they take a, someone in the secondary? And then in free agency, do they plug up that defensive line? Do you want Dave Gettleman making those decisions? Because what Not Dave yet. Gettleman decision has worked out? Yeah, what, it's, 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 which, which Dave Gettleman decision slam dunk. This is an absolute like home run decision by him. You can't say it was the Odell trade. I mean, a lot of people will be like, okay, you know, Odell ran out his, you know, welcome with the Giants. But, you know, Odell, they feel the loss of Odell Beckham, right? Yeah. They don't have one receiver anymore. So you can say they mm -hmm. got rid of this bad character guy, but also they got rid of this extremely gifted talent that helps you win games. So that's that that kind of balances that out. Daniel Jones can't hold on to the football. Saquon Barkley always gets hurt. Evan Ingram can't catch the ball. Andrew Thomas hasn't been I hated the Golden Tate signing. I thought that for like the Giants seem to be going into like a youth movement and a little bit of rebuild. That's awesome. That's fine. But like the Golden Tate signing, it didn't make much sense to me. So again, I'm surprised that I haven't gotten alerted. And, and they made the Golden uh, Tate signing, you know, a year after they made the Brandon Marshall signing, which was a t- terrible failure. Yeah. So I don't oh think God, Dave. I, I, don't think, I don't think Dave Gettleman learns any of his lessons when things don't go well. I mean, yeah, trying yeah, to replace Odell. They've been trying to replace Odell ever since they got rid of him. Yeah. It, it, it's and now people, very similar. now people want them to draft that number one wide receiver. I mean, if you just held on to Odell and just kind of closed your eyes at the off the field antics and realize that this guy is like a premier talent. Yeah. Right. Or just, I mean, or just, or just not a criminal. It out. Like he's not a criminal. He's not a bad guy. I mean, Antonio Brown's a bad guy. Like there's a yeah. lot of baggage around Antonio he's, Brown for he's many. A, he's, a, he's a potential criminal. Odell Beckham punching a kicking net isn't in, isn't exactly like a you know felony in my opinion that many no, giants no, fans, yeah. many giants people believe that it was that's what i mean that's I a, lot, a lot of Miguel trade yeah a lot of people were were just running him out of town and it's like i would have loved to seen odell under a guy like joe judge who seems to be, kind of keep his his mm-hmm. players in line i mean with the exception of golden tate and those antics but You've seen kind of you've seen Odell mature. That's no Giants fan, even if they hate Odell, because I know a good amount of them do. You cannot um, you cannot knock him for his maturity throughout the past years. He's mm-hmm. definitely gotten more mature and, and he's become a little bit more of a leader uh, when he's been in Cleveland. Like yeah. 
I, I, with kind of Cleveland's wishy-washy type of uh, seasons, like he easily could have been like, oh, I want to get out of here. I want to demand a trade. Baker sucks. But he's like, no, there was rumors that he did that, but they squashed but, that. But, that's what I mean. Yeah. And he says, yeah, like, I want to be here. I want to be in Cleveland. Like I want to win, do whatever it takes to win. And it's just, it's just funny to see that. And everybody was just like, Oh, that was such a great trade for us. Get rid of the diva and stuff like that. Well, it's like now you, you, you have golden Tate who caught the, the almost game time touch on yesterday and he screams in the microphone saying like, throw me the ball or that's why you should throw me the ball or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, like that, it it it, it makes it kind of no sense. I, had to, I I just was not a fan of the the Golden Tate signing and just kind of everything they've done after getting rid of Odell. Yeah, and it's just, just they've been trying it, to replace him. Who was Odell's head coaches in New York? Like he had Tom Coughlin to start, and Tom Coughlin was older. He was he was out the door, right? So yeah, it, it's it's hard for whatever how old Tom Coughlin was to like relate and like get to yeah, like, no he, he, 21 year old. he was 21 21 22 23 at the time and then yeah. you had McAdoo and Shermer who are complete pushover people and both got so fired. I think if you I think if you like put a Joe Judge in with a older you know 27 28 year old old Beckham Jr. I think that's something that could have worked yeah I it, and it's just it's funny how like all right you got rid of Odell because I guess he wasn't meshing with the team or the coaches but then you also get rid of like you said McAdoo Shermer so it's like you 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 basically took the L three times there, and it's just it's 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 and again it's something that Giants fans like obviously it's different now because Odell's hurt, so it's like they don't really have to watch him kind of have that much success. But I think I definitely can foresee Odell going to uh, a new team next year, mm-hmm. and I really think he's he's bound to thrive and really have a a really big comeback season because he's awesome. I mean, yeah, he was electric with the Giants. I love watching him play just like he's the type of guy who if you hit him on a five-yard slant he could take it to the house and not many guys can do that i think that if we want to make a prediction here on mm. november 3rd on election day in america i mm. think week one next year i think odell's in tampa Ooh. yeah because you know tampa's getting antonio brown next week now I don't I don't think I don't think Antonio Brown's going to be there for multiple years, and obviously if they're willing to get Antonio Brown and Brady and Antonio Brown together, I think you push Brown out the door at the end of the year. However, it works in New England, and I think as Brady gets older, he's going to need that receiver like a Mike Evans on the other side mm-hmm. that's going to help him out because Brady's not going to throw the ball down the field anymore as much as he used to. We see what happens mm-hmm. with Drew Brees now that he's like forty eight years old. So I think you get Odell. I think Odell said in the past he'd love to play with Brady. I think that's something that could happen. I have. While we're on that topic, I have two teams in mind. Okay. One is my Miami Dolphins. I think think if they decide to not go with a wide receiver in the first round, you need that dynamic kind of number one type of guy like him who could play in the slot, which he does. So I think that would be very beneficial for both parties. And if and then my number two one, which I think is a little more realistic, I think he goes to Green Bay. Mm, okay, I, I, I think that, that I think that would be awesome because again, and, and obviously uh, the Packers have uh, Devontae Adams, who's absolutely elite. But then you pair him up with a guy like Odell too, who's just kind of hungry for kind of his own redemption and comeback, and you put him with a guy like Rodgers. It's I think that would be awesome. I think I think that would be the perfect recipe for success for, for Odell's kind of comeback player of the year uh, campaign next year. Yeah. And the Packers need a wide receiver and the trade deadline is like in an hour. That's so, what I mean. Obviously, I, I Odell's know. not doing anything this year. He's out for the year, unfortunately. Yeah. But I, I, think, I, I, I think that's going to be the, a big story in the off season in the NFL is where Odell's going to go. Because I mean, he didn't get Cleveland, obviously like he was no, yeah. to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if he gets together with a elite quarterback, that would be a very dangerous thing for whatever division he winds up in. Yeah, I, I definitely like the idea of being with Brady, too, because there was always rumors like, oh, Odell's going to go to the Patriots when Brady was there and stuff like that. But I think, again, it's just it's it's crazy that like Brady at, at 42, going to be 43, whatever, is still going to get kind of guys to come want to play for him. Now, the only reason I, I wouldn't say Tampa Bay with Odell is just because there's no really kind of long-term – or longevity there. Mm-hmm. Like you figure Brady's giving you 
one more year after this, maybe another. It's like, at what point is he going to say, listen, I need to pack it in? Yeah, I know right. he's still doing good, but it's like, it just, it has to hit at some time. Like, you, it, there's no way he's going to be 46 years old still playing. So, I, unless Odell wants to, hey, maybe sign like a one year prove it deal, then mm. maybe, maybe you could see something like that where, say, he signs like a, signs a franchise tag and it gets traded and plays on it. Maybe yeah. then you could see with Tampa, and that wouldn't honestly be the worst thing because obviously, coming off of an injury, who's really kind of going to want to kind of sign him longer term or really pay him a lot of money. Yeah. He's still on that Giants deal that he signed that they immediately. Mm-hmm. Him on. I'm not sure how long that goes, but you know, star players have a tendency to dictate where they go. Yeah. And they didn't, Odell didn't have that when he went to Cleveland. I don't think he'll stand for not doing that twice. So yeah, we'll see what happens, but a team that you mentioned that is a possible Odell, uh, destination also your favorite team had a big momental game and you know moment in their franchise history with the uh, debut of Tua now it wasn't yeah. great which mm-hmm. is well, nobody really expected him to light it up I don't think mm-hmm. against that defense and that defensive line but he mm-hmm. got that touchdown pass and the Dolphins won the game so yeah. here we go here we go Matt yeah. the floor is yours what were, what were your initial thoughts on Tua so yeah it, it was it's it just so so fitting how he comes out. First play was a handoff, whatever. But his first drop back to pass, strip sack by Aaron Donald, then gets picked up and thrown on his ass. And it was just like, all right, he's all right. Fumbled he's it. Alive. Who get, yeah, he's alive. Aaron Donald clearly was a force in the game. You knew that was going to happen. And he, right off the bat, it affected him. And then what did he do after that? He didn't turn the ball over once. Again, he was... 12 for, nice for 20 quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over. And, and, and it's, it's, it's one of those things where we, we talk about game managers all the time and obviously not saying two is a game manager, but just if you don't turn the ball over your, your chance of winning has to, has to increase by 70% or something ridiculous. And then, so he, it was a very weird game with, with him because I mean, they were up like 21, nothing or 28, seven. And then offensively, they kind of just like, they, they, the offensive coordinator, Chang Gailey, came out and said, he's like, yeah, well, we didn't really want to take any shots because it's like, why would you? Why are you going to risk throwing a pick? And everything was very kind of quick, uh, whether it be a slant or it be a kind of rollout to kind of just try to get him moving. And it was a good amount of uh, runs and stuff like that. They didn't really have any success running the ball, which is going to be an issue. And then you sprinkle in, he had like three or four uh, drop passes. So, I mean, out of only 22 uh, attempts, I really went back and kind of watched like the game and he really, he had like three or four, like bad, bad passes where if you would have hit a guy, you maybe could have made something work. But again, it, it, you, you saw on, on the media, maybe this is something that I'm not used to obviously is seeing the dolphins kind of in the media and the national light, but there was a lot of uh, comments about him and they were like, Oh, like he did terrible. It was a disaster. They should move on from him. Like I was like, people said this already. Skip Bayless was like, maybe the Dolphins oh, come should. Um, come on. Yeah. Do so just, 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 yeah. I was like, I, was I like, learned a long time ago to just not listen to what he, I blocked him on every social media. I, you know, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. And it, it was just, it was like the, the, the certain words that were used to describe his, his performance were very straight. It's like when I heard like disaster and I was like, I was, I could think of a million other ways this could have went and it, and it had still not have been called a disaster. So that was kind of just kind of strange to me. Game. That's what I mean. And, and it's like you won and the Skip football Bayless game. Was the guy that was like, you know, Tebow's like the next great thing when he would win games, yeah. like being terrible. So yeah, Rex Ryan, I've been I've been listening to a lot, and he has a lot of good takes. And it's nice seeing it from a guy who was a coach, not mm-hmm. just someone who was kind of an analyst. Like even the ex players, they're not the same really as a coach. And that's what he said basically. He's like, yeah, he's like he didn't tear it up, but like you won the game. Like basically, he's like, what more did you kind of want him to do? Like he obviously did enough to win you the game. He didn't do anything to lose you the game. Then you you have to see obviously how he reacts going forward because he, the the offensive coordinator came out and said like like we really didn't give him the whole playbook because of the situation because of him obviously because of Aaron Donald. I mean we we cannot sleep on the fact that the Rams defense is absolutely one of the elite defenses in the NFL. But now, now the fact that the Dolphins beat them, it's like, oh, well, now they're not that good. Kind of kind of one of those things. It's like uh-huh. anyone we beat. Same thing with the 49ers. We demolished the 49ers. But it's like, ah, oh, they're, they're not that good. But then the 49ers come out and kill the Rams. And then the Rams beat the, the Bears and then all that stuff. But that's 
neither here nor there. But again, through week one, first of all, he survived. So that that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You, you really see the, the zip on his ball. And for some reason, he gets knocked for his arm strength, which I don't really understand why too, too much. Because when you watch him throw the ball, like he might not have a, a cannon like Justin Herbert, but he gets it there quick. And he throws it with anticipation, similar to kind of that Daniel Jones play for the two-point conversion, where he's not going just going to wait for the ball or wait for the play to develop. He's going to kind of throw a little bit before. But I mean, I, it was awesome just to kind of see him out there, and you really see like, all right, this is this is it now. Like this is like where his kind of tryout basically begins. I mean, again, and through one week, you're saying like that that was fine. Like again, it wasn't good. It wasn't great. But it wasn't bad. Sometimes that's all he is. And if you win the game against a good Rams team, how can you not be happy? Yeah, I mean, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm totally cool with what happened. I mean, I don't think anyone expected him to, you know, walk out there against the Rams, as you said before, and just completely like put on a show. I don't think yeah. that would I don't think that was possible. And I also don't think that was fair to expect. So yeah. I think, you know, you won the game and you saw yeah. things from Tua that you saw at Alabama. And it's gonna be a very it's gonna be it's going to be a quick process, but at the same time, it's going to be a very slow process. I don't know if that mm-hmm. kind of if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. Um, because you know, he didn't have a preseason, right? This yeah. is his first real game action. You know, the Jets game aside, that doesn't really count. He like played three plays, but this is really his first game action since that game he got hurt against Alabama. Yeah, like it was what a, a full year ago? Three three hundred and fifty one days ago was the last yeah, time he you stepped don't, foot on a football field. Yeah, and you, we both know as athletes, like if you take a whole year off, like in baseball, if we take a year off, I, from I couldn't the imagine. Bat, you, uh, you you take a year off from swinging the bat, you go into the cage, you can't hit anything. It's just the way it is. So he needs. There's timing he needs to get back, both in the fact that he hasn't played in a year, and also this is a completely different roster that he played with the last time he played, new teammates and a new yeah. system and all that. So it's a new, it's a new league too. Like he's whole, go, it's, it's everything, yeah, everything faster. Like if you ask like an NFL player, what's the difference between college and the NFL? It's speed. Like yeah, everybody's faster. Those are grown men playing in the NFL. You got baptized so, by Aaron Donald. Yeah, it, 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 and actually, I, would, I wouldn't have any complaints if I was a Dolphins. No, you won the football a, game, and you won the football game, and now what's your record, right? What's your record? You're now? four and four and three. Four and We're two four. games back out of the AFC East, and like one game back out of that wild card spot. Yeah, so you have a chance, and you know the Bills almost lost to the Patriots. So the Bills over yeah. the last few weeks really haven't impressed mm-hmm. everybody after that really hot start that they had. Um, it, it, Josh Allen's kind of cooled down. Like we were the first four yeah. weeks, we're like is this guy an MVP candidate? That's kind of mm-hmm. you know simmered down yeah, a little bit. Hundred percent, and who knows where this season? You got the Cardinals up next. The Cardinals are a good football team. They don't have the defense that the Rams do, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. So it, you got it, the Chargers yeah. who bro- who had a really bad loss, and then you know Broncos, Jets, Bengals, Chiefs. You're not going to beat the Chiefs, Patriots, okay. Raiders, Bills. Like it's all in front of them. Yeah, no. Like this this in- next stretch get of five incremental games. Incremental improvement, game by game, from Tua, and you don't have that huge blow up. Even if you have like mm-hmm. one blow up within the next eight games. Like it's still it's still out there for you to to go on a run, and in oh, an right. AFC where it's really not that impressive, you don't have New England anymore, mm-hmm. and you know, the Ravens aren't you know as good as they were last year, and you know Jackson didn't have a great game against Pittsburgh yesterday or Sunday. Like why not? Why can't Tua sneak in? And then once yeah. even if Tua sneaks in, then you have the Texans picks that could be a top five pick. Like I think yeah. the Dolphins are in a very, very enviable spot from the rest of the NFL standpoint. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, from where they were last year, where people were saying they're going to go 0-16 for Tua, yeah. and then they end up getting Tua anyway, even though they didn't go 0-16, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden they could really catapult themselves to the top of the division by the by this point next year. Yeah, I mean, you just – you you look at uh, just, just like the team just a year ago. A year ago they had – the, the the dead last defense in, in, in points let up. Now you fast forward to today, they're number one. I cannot tell you the last time that the Dolphins ever had a number one uh, defense in scoring. It, it, it's just, it, it's really awesome to kind of see what Flores and Chris Greer, the GM, and even the owner, because obviously it's his money, were able to do. Like when you talk about like buying into a system and buying into a coach and just everything he's preaching, this is the culmination of that. And I, I, I've really never seen anything like it in my days as a Dolphins fan. Just really 
They got the guys that they wanted that fit their scheme. They went out in free agency. They spent big, and it's working out with guys like Byron Jones and Emmanuel Ogbo, who has like six and a half, seven sacks. Last year, I think the, the leading sack guy had like three. Like we were disgustingly bad in sacks. And so you're seeing kind of the fruits of the labor of just kind of what they've been working towards. And obviously through the first couple of weeks, it wasn't pretty when they lost to the Patriots and they lost to the Seahawks and lost to the, to the, uh, to the bills. But I mean, I, do I dare say this is an absolute scorching hot Miami Dolphins team? And I know people will say, Oh, well, Fitzpatrick, if he was in, they'd give you a better chance. But like you alluded to before, you have a chance to give a rookie quarterback who, like we said, hasn't touched a football field in 351 days. You're giving him that seven, eight or seven weeks to learn the system, to learn under fits. And now you you put him into a situation where the defense is going to do well for him. So it's not like he's constantly having to come back from 21 point deficits because that's too much to ask for. And you're not really going to even see the best version of a quarterback with that. That's just all desperation stats. So you have a guy like that who has a good defense who's going to keep the game close and you give him a chance to possibly make a playoff run. And then even in even more so they might even expand the playoffs and make it eight teams instead of seven now. Mm-hmm. So the, I, like you said, at first I was like, ah, oh, sit him for the year, but I think this is a perfect situation for him. Like we said, he's medically cleared. So we don't have to worry about that. Injuries happen. If he gets hurt, shit happens, but this is a perfect opportunity for him to get his feet wet. And you got baptized by the Rams. And honestly, I loved it. I was absolutely I was nervous at first, but I was excited because, hey, no one cares if you can go ball out against the Jets. No, nobody cares about that. But how are you going to do when you face one of the a better defenses in the league? And through week, through week one, I mean, I thought that was that was a, a fair performance in your first game back to play uh, to play the Rams and Aaron Donald. I thought that was a very good job by the whole coaching staff and by the defense kind of picking up the offense. I mean, again, it's a team sport. To go out there and expect your quarterback to do everything and do it all and and score seven touchdowns and also simultaneously play defense it, it is impossible. So like you said about like kind of expectations and stuff like that, I think the national media and the non-Dolphins fans are expecting him to do what he did in college and, and even in the, uh, the championship game where he came out and just threw three touchdowns and obviously won the game for them. This isn't college. This is the NFL, and I think you're definitely seeing that. Yeah, he can he can obviously you know develop into a guy that we saw at Alabama and do in the NFL. Like that, we're not putting mm-hmm. that past him. But yeah. you know, I think it's important to get these eight games under your belt because week one next year, the Jets could have Lawrence, right? The Patriots yeah. can have Fields, and yeah. you know I think it's important for uh, Tua in terms of the race for the AFC East crowd next year to have those eight, that have that eight game head start over those two guys specifically, and then really you know, like set his gears on, you know, defeating Josh Allen for that division. Because if they sat Tua for the rest of these eight games and they just ran with Fitzpatrick and then you put in Tua week one, then he's essentially like a rookie, just like, you know, Lawrence would be and whoever the yeah. Patriots are going to take are gonna, is going to be. So I think yeah. it's important for Tua to have that eight-game head start over Lawrence and whoever the Patriots have. Because yeah. while those two guys next year are making the mistakes that he's making now – Tua is going to be making that next step towards a guy that can lead you to a division. Yeah. They'll make the playoffs this year. That's what I mean. That, that is an absolute great point. And I think it's like, yeah, like, no one's expecting him to win the Super Bowl this year. That's that's not even in the kind of the realm of possibility. Like, obviously, you want it to happen. You're obviously going out there saying, hey, I want to win every game. But you understand there's going to be some growing pains. And like you said, I'd rather them happen in, in week 9, 10, or 11 of his rookie season than next year because and I think the defense doing as well as they have been was more of a reason to to get him in like I said before because you don't want to go in next year and then say your defense gets even better and they're borderline top five defense in the league but your quarterback's still making kind of rookie growing pains similar to like Daniel Jones's then it's just it's a very kind of shitty situation where it's the defense is constantly trying to carry the offense like Right now, if the defense is carrying your rookie quarterback, I think that's somewhat acceptable. But then next year, they got to help each other out. And I think it's a really good plan. You have to be excited for, for 2021 for how things have gone with the whole kind of organization that the Dolphins have right now. And you still have a shit ton of picks left. And I think the organization as a whole, I don't think care more, 
but they definitely have more motivation now that Tua is out there. Like he's like the yeah, he's, no, close, he's the guy in the saver. No disrespect to Fitzpatrick or Tannehill, yeah. or Matt Moore or mm-hmm. Chad Payton, whoever the Dolphins have run out over the last decade plus at yeah. quarterback. But this is the first time since I guess Marino, you know more than me, that the Dolphins like have like someone who they can say is this is a premier franchise quarterback we hope yeah and that lifts up the whole roster from the defense to the coaching staff to the front office you can just feel watching a dolphins game that the energy and the vibe is much different than years past i mean i mean a hundred percent i mean i'll back going back to last week to his debut there right when he had he got put into the game against or two weeks ago because they had a bye last week when he got put into the game uh against the jets in the Miami kind of Broward County area in the last two minutes of the game, when he entered in, there was 32,000 more households that tuned into the game that weren't previously watching when he got in. So clearly there's a buzz about him. They haven't the drafted a quarterback. And the players 100%, know hundred percent. 100. The, uh, they haven't, Dolphins haven't drafted a quarterback within the top uh, six picks since Bob Greasy in like 1970, whatever. Obviously he went on to, to be one of the in 72 when they went undefeated. But you, like you said, you talk about how all the players, they know kind of what's at stake here. And they know like Tua is supposed to be the guy, obviously. And the, the center for them, Ted Karras, he talks about how, Hey, like we need to be better, not only for ourselves, but he says like we need to be better for Tua. Like we need to do a better job of, of getting him comfortable basically. And it, it's such a, it's such a cool thing to see kind of the players acknowledging the situation and they're acknowledging, Hey, like here's this kid. Cause he is a kid. He's frigging 22. And he's basically handed the keys to the city and saying, Hey, here go stink or swim. And you see the teammates kind of picking him up and saying, Hey, like you're not going to have to do this alone. And I think that's, what's really awesome to see. And not every rookie quarterback gets that opportunity. A lot of times it's say, Hey, here it is. And then you have no help and you have kind of no real, real good leadership. You have, coaches that come in and out you have new systems that you have to learn and I really think that he's in one of the best uh, situations with having a good coach having a, a good defense obviously right now too and having a ton of guys around him that are are nice veteran leaders it's, it's really cool to be a Dolphin fan I think right now and that's something that I really haven't been able to say for for some time let's move on to we have time to talk about one more game here mm-hmm. I think Chargers Broncos would be it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um Chargers had a 21 point lead in this one and mm-hmm. they they blew it. So I give Denver credit for coming back, but you know, we talk about Herbert a lot on this podcast. Um mm-hmm. you weren't a fan of him going into the draft and then you, you kind of were like, "Oh, he's not that bad." And then now, you know, with that, you know, collapse by the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers are now 2 and 5. They win that game. They're three and four, and then things are looking different for their season. Now the Broncos are sitting there at three and four, and they're you know fighting for that last playoff spot. So the momentum swing and really the swing of the entire season for those two teams really changed on that game. Yeah, it, it, it was it was again. I mean, the the Chargers have blown like three sixteen point leads. Yeah, and there's the Chargers game on my around over my shoulder now and. People are even now starting to say, oh, Anthony Lynn uh, kind of might get fired. And Anthony Lynn got basically got asked that question, and he, he was asked, like, oh, like, do you think, like, you're on the hot seat? And I, re- I really loved his answer. And he was like, anytime you're losing football games, he's like, hell yeah, like, you bet, like, I'm probably on the hot seat. And I thought that was really cool to see that, like, he acknowledges the situation. Like, he understands that I need to be better as a coach, and I need to win these games, or else I am going to be gone. Same thing with like Cam Newton. Like he says, if I keep playing how I am, I'm not going to be the starter, which is, it, it's very kind of like, like a lot of other coaches would be like, Oh, like, like I'm not, I'm in no danger of this. Like I'm fine. Like I'm going to keep doing everything. My the biggest same. peeve like, is when players and coaches are like, I don't pay attention to what the media says. Like, yes, you do. Bullshit. Yeah. yeah. It, it's your job. And they're talking about you. You hundred percent understand. So I think it's very weird with the charges because you're putting up 30 points. You, you should win the game. You absolutely should win the game. So I think it's it would be such a detriment to Herbert to bring in another coach and then it's another new system. And then it's like, maybe you don't get the same kind of marquee free agents if you have a new head coach in there because you don't really know what you're going to get. So their defense needs to figure it out. And I understand they don't have Derwin James this year, who's one of the top basically defensive players. But 
I don't think he he's saving you from those 16 point losses. I think the whole defense needs to figure it out. And, it, and it's weird because you have a guy like um, Melvin, uh, Melvin Ingram, uh, the linebacker, and you have Joey Bosa, obviously he's one of the highest paid uh, defensive players, but you're letting up 31 points and you're letting up 31 points to the Broncos who are not a good team by any means. They're pretty banged up from a wide receiver standpoint. And again, defensively, they're really nothing crazy. They don't have Von Miller either. So it's like, they, they, they have a lot of figuring out to do, and they have to do it pretty quick. This seems like an organizational pattern with the Chargers, whether it's San Diego mm-hmm. or Los Angeles. They always seem to just blow it. Yeah. Like, this is something, like, it's a shame because they've had really good teams in the past. And mm-hmm. I, I think Herbert is a good quarterback. And I think over the next few years, this is a team to look out for. But at some point, going back to the beginning of the podcast about the Giants, at some point, you know, you got to finish. And yeah, I know it's not it's not, it's not it's it's more unfair to Herbert than it is to Jones because this is literally Herbert's first year. Yeah. But from an organizational standpoint, they 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 always seem to have these collapses. Like they have a few every year, and that's cost them a lot of playoff games. That's cost them trips to Super Bowls. Yeah, it's again, it's at the end of the day, you have to win. It's like those moral victories can only last you so long. And it's like, all right, it's awesome that you have. It looks like you have the guy in Herbert and, but now it's like, all right, well, well, how are you like, how are you blowing these games? Like, like you're, you're killing yourself as a franchise. 24 to three, six minutes left in the fourth, in the third. And it's like, listen, you, you do that to the, to the chiefs. That yeah. makes sense. But like, not to the Broncos too. Like, like that, they're both AFC West teams, right? Yeah. Like, you're doing that to, to a division rival. Like that's just, again, that, that, that could be, you lose one more game, one more bad game like that again. Anthony Lynn might be gone. Yeah, it, it's it's rough to say, but still one of those growing pains with the Chargers. So we'll see how that goes. I know we, I know I said that this was that was the last game we're coming. I want to cover mm-hmm. one more thing. I want to cover the um, Steelers Ravens. Yeah, um, I I completely forgot about that when I was like going through the scores. Um, so Pittsburgh wins 28-24. They improved to 7-0. They beat the Ravens. Specifically that last drive. I don't know if you saw the entire thing. Yeah. I, they, yeah, never, I they, didn't, they didn't throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a Pittsburgh defense that's great against the run. I know, you know, Lamar Jackson running is different than any old running back running. Yeah. Uh, he's much more dynamic than that. But mm-hmm. what were your thoughts on, you know, Harbaugh's, you know, kind of play calling, kind of his, like, coaching in that game? Because – there's there's a couple ways to go about it. It's you know mm-hmm. it's the bad play call. You don't keep the defense honest. You don't put it in the air once when you need mm-hmm. to. Or you can say you know again in a big game, Lamar, who is you know otherworldly talented and one of the most dynamic players in the NFL, when it comes up in a big divisional game or a big playoff game or a big game in general, seems to fall flat. So which one do you think it's more? Do you think this is more on Lamar or do you think this is more of a Harbaugh thing in this game? Um, I mean, I think, I think Lamar kind of tipped Harbaugh's hand. Like you said, like it clearly looked like they didn't want him to throw the ball. Like he had two interceptions. Um, he, he had a pretty sure he had a fumble too. You know, he had, he had, oh my God, he had Lamar Jackson had three fumbles. Two of them were lost and he had two interceptions. So it's one of those things where they didn't want him to throw it, but then they obviously didn't want him to have to, for him to run the ball specifically too. And then again, you, you, I, I didn't love that last play call where he, he got stuffed right at the, right at the kind of near the goal line there. Like it just to me in, in a do or die kind of situation. And I saw it obviously yesterday it happens in every game, but the giants, it was like third, fourth and one, whatever it was. And I think they stuffed the Buccaneers or they got stuffed, whatever it was. I just, I hate that just kind of like, all right, we're going to try to run up the middle. Like, I'd rather just give the ball in the, in the quarterback's hands to pass, and then if you want to run, you can. So, again. Like, why you, wouldn't you, you give the MVP that option? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you just said, all right, you're running. That's what I mean. Like, like if you at least give the option, who knows, broken play, you could figure something out, even figure out a big play or a touchdown. But I, I didn't love that play. And, again, overall, like, Lamar's kind of stock is just obviously been dropping a little bit. And, it, the Ravens have uh, a pretty good defense where they're still going to keep keep them in games. But it, same thing, like we said all year, if you turn the ball over, you're not going to win games. It's just it's literally as simple as that. Yeah, and my like you, you didn't even need Lamar to like air it out, throw it downfield, 
you know, make a, a one-on-one kind of play, a quick like out or a slant, yeah. like just to mm-hmm. keep the defense honest. I feel like yeah, even, just, if you don't, even if it felt incomplete, that play, like d- the defense is on their toes saying, okay, Lamar can still throw it here. Like even though he's yeah, had a tough do, game, do what quarterbacks he do. He can still throw the ball. But, you know, everybody in the world knew that Lamar was going to run that on that last play. And they just stacked the box. And, and then, every, and yeah, when everybody watching on TV knows what's going to happen, then the defensive coordinator knows what's going to happen. And when yeah, the especially, happen, it's really tough to convert. Yeah, no. Especially yeah, it, like Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I, like, you really expected Mike Tomlin to not kind of figure that out. And even an ex- experienced and very good defense to not kind of sniff that out. Like, how do you not at least do some sort of rub some rub route or some sort of play action play something? I mean, again, we just – we talked about this. I think it might have been on the first – maybe the first or second episode about a, what's an interesting kind of stat to look at the overall, like, outcome of a game. And I mentioned turnover differential. Four, I mean, Pittsburgh had one turnover compared to Baltimore's four. I mean, and you look, we get, that's what I mean. Yesterday in the Giants game, what what was it there? It had to be two to two to one, maybe something like that. Or, or I think the Giants have one. The Giants forced a fumble that they got. That's yeah. I think it was the only one. And it's like it, it's it's simple as that. It's like if you if you're turning the ball over four times in a game, like that's four less opportunities where you could potentially at least put up three or at least. Cut, eat some clock at least, and then stop the other team from scoring. So, I mean, again, I think you're really going to see when we look at the end of the season, the teams with the least amount of turnovers, odds are they're going to be probably the best ones. Very quickly before we wrap it up, Pittsburgh, can they unseat Kansas City? Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I think so, yeah. I mean, again, their, their defense is so good. and I think they could pressure Mahomes enough, and they have the corners and the safeties to kind of cover their uh, the, the Tyree Kills and the Travis Kelseys. I, I, I don't see why not. And I know the, the Chiefs are, are really good, obviously, and they're uh, Super Bowl uh, favorites, clearly. But, I mean, I, I really don't see why the Steelers couldn't, couldn't kind of uh, take them out a little bit. I mean, they're – Red hot right now. Mike Tomlin, again, ca- uh, tip my cap to him. He, he's awesome. Every again, single year, he gets them right up on Doesn't yeah, matter. And, and he's always, for some reason, on the hot seat. Whatever people don't like him, I don't know why. I'll take him. But I, I would love to me. I would lo- love a guy like Mike Tomlin leading my team. So I, I think the Steelers, I mean, let's take a quick look at their, their schedule coming up. They have, I mean, Cowboys, that's going to be a win. But Cowboys, Bengals, Jags, and they got Ravens again. I mean, like they don't really have any more tough games at that. No on the table for them. Where's their I loss? I don't see why. I mean, I really don't see. Maybe just the Ravens. That's the only one I can really think of. I don't. I don't see the Bills beating them. I don't see the Browns beating them. I don't even see the Colts beating them. I really. I mean, that would be the who, quietest. You know, there's only been oh, two other sixteen and O's. Yeah, but, like that would be the quietest, amazing season ever. Old ass Big Ben, yeah, and and a uh, Mike Tomlin who is consistently on the hot seat for whatever reason goes sixteen and zero. I mean, again, it's one of those things that like statistically probably won't happen. But when yeah, when you just look at this schedule, who who's beating them? I, I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it might be, it could be the Ravens. I mean, but they would have to go to Pittsburgh to do it because it's gonna be, be Ravens or Colts are, are the best chances there. I think it'd be the Browns, and when you go to the that. playoffs, if if you look at the playoff in the AFC now, you got Bills. Steelers, Ravens, Titans, Colts, Chiefs. Like nobody other than the Chiefs scare me if I'm Pittsburgh. No, not at all. If you have, a, they're going to have a home playoff game against. Especially whoever since we they don't play. know what Jackson is in the playoffs because his first two playoffs yeah. have been disasters. That's what I mean. And the odds are it's going to be at Pittsburgh, so I would take the Steelers 10, 10 out of ten times. Yeah, it'll be interesting to say, and I need to apologize to big Ben because going into the season, I was like, I don't know what I, I the Pittsburgh has a good roster, but who's this quarterback? And no, Ben came it, back from, his inju- from a really bad injury. You can mm-hmm. make the case that the injury that he had at his age, could he could have easily just said, you know what? Yeah. It's been, it's been a ride. But now he came yeah. back, and, you know, he's, he's been very, very good. Yeah. So, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all aboard the Steelers hype train right now. Oh my yeah. God. The Steelers hype train. You know, one of the, one of the few teams, like the Patriots are like this and the Steelers, like, I don't like them. Like, I don't want mm-hmm. to win for whatever reason. Yeah. But, you know, I think Mike Tomlin is probably the coach of the year. For what yeah, I mean, I, I'm 100% with you there. I'll take that prediction any day. 
So that will just about do it for this week eight recap. Week nine is obviously going to be on Thursday, Sunday, and Monday, as it always is. Giants play the Washington football team. I did not say Redskins. There you go. Whole, finally, the entire episode where I did not intentionally say Redskins. So good for I'll me. Put up for that. Dolphins and the Cardinals. So we're going to come back and we're going to dissect those. Hopefully Tua makes a step, takes another step towards another positive step. And I don't know what to expect from Daniel Jones anymore. I'm yeah, sure hopefully Daniel Jones okay. figures it out. I mean, um, I don't know. Is, is this is this an absolute must win right now for the Giants? Uh, I think their season's over anyway, so I'm going to say no. But right. if they do lose to this Washington team with who they have under center, I don't even know who it is. Uh, as it's still Allen. Kyle Allen. Yeah, I think it's Kyle Allen still. They have the Redskins number. Like they they handled the Redskins pretty well, even though the last three years they haven't handled anyone else. Mm-hmm. So if they don't win this game, I don't see them winning a game until maybe Dallas week 17. So we'll see what happens. If you want Trevor Lawrence, you better hope they lose. That's that's fair. Because by the time you hit two losses with the way the Jets play, like it's not gonna happen. Yeah. So no, I'm, I'm with you there. So who knows? But that is for another episode. And then another is- episode will be next week. So in the meantime, for Matt Farrar, my name is Glenn Daenerys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Ice the Kicker presented by Caps on Sports, and we'll see you next week.